Talking Toro 54, welcome. Um, Rob, how old are you this year? 34 this weekend. 34, yeah, 34 this weekend. I think Rob celebrated by uh, by sending messages to last season's Torino number 34. I know, you've got to let it go, Rob. You didn't even choose him in the African 11 last week. No, I, you... I wanted to have him in the team and you overruled me. He would have been in the team. We need we need to fit in Ahmed Baruso and his massive thighs. You're not getting your stickers back from Ola. That's all. I see. I've seen the not- Nottingham Forest fans are really really liking him. So, but, um, well, well, I won't say too much. I know you've not listened to it, but I've um, you very helpfully just linked me to his podcast uh, that he did at the end of the season. So just listened to a little bit of his uh, Torino spell there, and yeah, it's um, yeah. I won't I won't give too much away for those who haven't listened to it. But yeah, I think he I think. He also agrees, much like most Torino fans, that his his first season in a Toro shirt was his best, and unfortunately things didn't didn't work out too well after that. Well, strategic as we are, we've opened this pod by advertising a, another podcast, but just for precision, it's called the Beautiful Game Podcast, and they did an interview with with Olerado, which I've not listened to yet, um, but Rob, I think, has listened to some of it. But anyway. Without further ado, Rob, uh, we played at that horrible kickoff time on a Monday, which actually suited me yesterday because uh, I wasn't working yesterday. So, um, but it was a why are two teams called Granata, neither of them playing in Granata? It was like it was like being overly polite or something, wasn't? No, you go, you go. No, I go. No, you have it. And then Salonitana in black and Torino in white, and then the entire tifo of the stadium home and away in Granata. It just. Uh, yeah, bit bit of a weird one that. I mean, other than when they play themselves, there isn't really any reason for them not to wear their home shirts. So maybe it's just contract contractually uh, that they've got to wear their sort of away away shirts a number of times a season. I think that's probably how these things work. Um, yeah, I don't think there's another Granada team in the in the league, so maybe that maybe that was the reason. Yeah, it's just it's a bit of an odd one. Three um, 0 Rob. Um... I don't want to call myself Peter Urich, but so, if you want to clip it up, last week someone called out Radonjic second, Zapata starting. 3-1 I went for. Not 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 a bad guess. And um, it was easy street, wasn't it, yesterday? I thought um, it's actually the first 90 minutes of Torino this season I've watched properly. Um, I felt fairly confident after about five or six minutes that we would win the match just um, just tactically the way Slenitana felt very open, quite sloppy. And I just, I had a vibe going into the game that they, they might struggle a bit this season. I said, Paolo Sosa is not someone who hangs around anywhere that long. And I uh, always, always got the impression he thinks he's a little bit above uh, Salernitana as well. Um, but I thought, yeah, we, we could have won by more, uh, we didn't create anywhere near as much as we did last season when we ended up drawing 1-1. Um, but I just thought tactically um, we were set up quite well. And although he didn't have a brilliant game, actually playing Denver Sec, um, it was a bit of a mixed bag, his performance, but I think he really broke the lines for us and his unpredictability created uh, all kinds of issues. Um, so yeah, com- comfortable win, and as you said last week with the fixtures we've got coming up, it's probably an important one. Um, yeah, good birthday present. Yeah, and it's probably probably good. That it was a couple of days after my uh, birthday because Torino do tend to have a habit of, of ruining my birthday. Yeah, I remember them playing uh, Lecce at home a couple of seasons ago. I think it would have been for my thirtieth, 
Uh, and had we won, we'd have gone top of the table and they managed to to lose at home. So, um, yeah, maybe a good job that we weren't playing on my actual birthday. But I think I think you're right. It was it was uneasily comfortable um, in what I say is usually don't expect. Even when Torino are 2-0 up and playing well, you get that sort of horrible feeling that, oh, well, if they get one back, it's going to be a little bit a little bit nervy. But I, I never really got that. I know, obviously, we got the second goal just before half-time and the third goal just after half-time. That maybe sort of quelled any potential Salerno time to come back. But yeah, even at, even at 3-0 with sort of 30, 30 minutes to go, I still never really got a feeling that if they got one, I didn't think, I thought, if anything, Torrey looked more likely to to add to the to the scoreline. So, yeah, it was it was a nice feeling. And I mean, probably one thing that we should mention is that the four games this season we kept three clean sheets. Um, the anomaly being a four-one defeat against Milan uh, thrown in, but two of them were penalties. So, in four games, we only actually conceded two goals from open play. So, probably a promising uh, start to the season defensively and with. We talk about some of the the individual performances, but I just think with Zapata uh, leading the line up front, he's probably unlucky that he's not really even had a, a proper chance in, in the two games that he's played. But he just offers so much more in terms of holding the ball up, and I always feel that he can uh, maybe create something, maybe just not even throw himself, but just his physicality attracts defenders towards him and maybe frees up space for, for some of the other players. And you probably see that in in terms of the that Rudonjic scores his first. First brace for the club, um, not necessarily from from Zapata, but he's he just such a such a handful up front that he's he's going to cause a lot of problems for defenses this season. Yeah, he played he played well. He's we've, we've it's been a we're going to talk about a certain Torino centre forward on this week's pod, um, and obviously, Belotti was for the most part a very good centre forward for Torino, but he didn't have, um. He was towards the latter stages of Belotti was a, became a bit of a battering ram sometimes, but Zapata's a different level of of hold up play. Um, probably not had someone who could hold it up like that since Maxi Lopez. But then what uh, Zapata does is he can play on the turn as well. He can beat a man. He can run with the ball. Uh, I thought at one stage in the second half he was gonna that goal he scored against Torino last season for Atalanta where he sent Bongiorno into the Poe. I thought he was going to do something uh, similar. I'm going, to, I'm going to stand up for my mate. It was actually Shears. Oh, it's Shears. Yeah, sorry, sorry. You're right. I did. I did make that comment at the time. Um, but yeah, he's. Uh, it's just having a proper centre forward makes a big difference, and then you just see, yeah, as you said, the the benefit for those playing off him is massive. Um, Radonjic could have had four. I mean, the the offside one was was marginal, and then I'm not sure what happened with the. Sabutio shot. Um, I think he. I think, I think he's just he really, he was... really been enjoying the Rugby World Cup. Um, just thought it. Someone, a, someone a, has to <laughs> a conversion attempt, but um, I've, got, I've got. I'm not sure because it wasn't particularly clear on the on the footage uh, from TNT. But maybe maybe the whistle did go, or he assumed he'd heard a whistle, so he just didn't. Given the fact that he was on hat trick and how sort of he seemed relatively desperate for it. He just seemed so relaxed in terms of the way he finished it. Maybe just assumed that it was a foul. Yeah, uh, no, it's a shame for him not to get, not to get the hat trick. Um, but as you said, yeah, I think defensively we're pretty stable at the moment, despite the kind of wealth of choices we have back there. It's pretty much the same the same three playing. And then what I do like is there's a bit of um, variety in 
and uh, kind of yeah variety and selection that Juric has got going forward. So I mean Ilic and uh, Vlasic being out in the past would have been a pretty big issue, but actually um, I think Vlasic being out out probably helped. Um, I think we bought a slightly more uh, pacey a player who can kind of eat up the turf a little bit more helped. Um, I really liked, went a bit under the radar. Uh, I quite like Lazaro's performance. I thought he was always an outlet, didn't really waste the ball. Um, and uh, I mean, Bellanova I thought was pretty poor defensively, actually quite sloppy, but um, made a contribution going forward. And then I think, the, yeah, the, the player that caught the eye was probably Tameze or Tamez. Um, we'll settle on a pronunciation, but he... Yeah, he looked to bring something to the Torino midfield as well that we haven't had. He's a little bit of a upgrade in terms of um, mobility than Carol Linetti, Um and has that ability to both destroy and 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 create to a, to an extent as well. So yeah, that's a, I think it's a good good type of player to have um, for certain matches as well. And uh, he seemed to bring out. I mean, Richie seemed to hit a bit of better form as well yesterday. He struggled in the first few weeks of the season. Yeah, it definitely seems to um on Tamez definitely seems to offer something different to, to Illich and Richie, who I think potentially can sometimes be a little bit too similar. Um in in games maybe like Slow Tandem would be one way you would play them together if they were both available. But I think against maybe sort of the top sides, I think there is that potential. It would be interesting to see whether Juric goes for it later on in the season about maybe moving Illich a little bit further forward and, and sort of playing all, all all three of them. Um, I think what was key really is the fact that he, he mentioned it in the in the pre-match press conference that he, he isn't going to play two up front, despite my sort of suggestions that this was a possibility and that on the last part. Um, and I think that was evident by the fact that even with Vlasic out, there was no temptation to play Sanabria. Didn't even get on the pitch. And I think some of his post-match comments were potentially telling that he's maybe wasn't that impressed with the way Sanabria trained this week um, previously. Yeah, I think it, one of the comments he made that the only person he had to sort of contend with previously for that starting position was Pellegri, who, as we all know, his injury record isn't the best. And and maybe it's sort of been the kick at the backside. And it'll be interesting to see he, how he reacts, not only from the fact that Zapata now seems to be the number one striker, but also the fact he didn't even get sort of any any minutes in it. And again, that we we were clearly, clearly going to win. Um, but he's a good option to have the bench. Brent, somebody scored double figures in, in Serie A last season. Um, it would be interesting to see whether Juric can keep him happy or whether he'll be trying to trying to get a move in January. I wouldn't rule out Sanabria playing with Zapata, but not as a maybe playing off Zapata in in Juric's mind, not playing two strikers, but having them both on the pitch in a in a scenario where Sanabria is a um, bit more deep line. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see if Sanabria's confidence is dented because he's obviously, as you said, he's done his best his work when he didn't really have any competition and could be assured of a place in the starting lineup and how well does he do having to prove himself and not having that certainty is going to start but these are the these are the kinds of um <clears throat> issues if you want to call them that that Torino need to have and um yeah and I think Pellegrini is a bit more like for like than than Zapata and the other interesting thing is is Pellegrini going to learn something off watching Zapata as well um because Pellegrini has some of the similar attributes, um, but uh, is you know is kind of nowhere near at that level. But it might be 
could be an interesting role model for for Pellegrini if he's willing to to cut to kind of sit watch and and, and listen and learn. I think just uh, just quickly going back to some of Juric's comments that I picked up on pre-match, and I'm not sure whether this is a little bit of revisionism, and I'm, I don't particularly, I'm not sure this is how I remember it either. But but Juric related to the fact that um, some of Torres' problems under Mazzari began when um, we signed Simone Zaza and, and tried to play Zaza and Belotti up front. Um, I wouldn't say that was the biggest. I mean, I know he got a short mention at the end of last week's pod, but. I don't fully remember it being purely Zaza's fault. In fact, actually, I'm pretty sure we qualified for the Europa League with, with them both in the team and starting together quite regularly. So um, maybe that was just uh, him sort of just trying to play devil's advocate for, for people assuming that we were going to play to up front and, and just maybe saying it doesn't always the, work out. Did you find Zaza? Uh, no, Did he's anyone still, find him? He's, I think he's still available for um, five-a-side tournaments and triathlons if anyone if any wants to try and uh, get hold of him. Yeah, no signs. It's been a week. We'll, we'll get. The, we'll keep the counter going. So someone gives us news this morning, Zaza. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much I would say in Salento. We've obviously been there three time, three seasons in a row, and I've always had a player who's caught the eye. So it was, I think it was Koulibaly two seasons ago. Uh, Vitinha, who scored in both matches against us last season, I think has gone on to play in Greece. He was only on loan. And then obviously they had Cabral was kind of the standout player for them yesterday. And to be honest, I think the key moment in the game was the shot which hit the post in the injury time in the first half, a rare bit of kind of yeah, on, on Toro's side. Bottom just couldn't uh, sort of manoeuvre his body quick enough to sort of to get the rebound. Um, just maybe the last word on Santana, contender for the worst cameo performance off the bench in that game, Fazio or Caramo? Uh, I was pretty happy when Fazio came on because he is, yeah, as I said before, a strange, a strange, um, <laughs> a strange change to make when you three 0 down at home. It's almost like they stuck him up front, though. Is, yeah, well, well, I mean, Schurz got booked for for fouling him on the halfway line, almost as like a counter attack. Um, yeah, very, very strange. Um, yeah, I'm always happy to see Fazio come on. I'm, I'm not sure how he's had the career he's had, and then Caramo. Yeah, this is a bit caramo seems to be in doesn't seem to have hit the right the ground running this season and i think we've said before he doesn't always is often better starting games than um than coming off the bench um and yeah i, I wanted to make a joke about brandon sloppy um uh, he yeah he wasn't actually that sloppy but i just wanted to get that joke in before you you, but, you can uh, You've got you've got your headline ready for for, for later on in the season when he when he misses a, a miss an opening goal. I just wanted to trademark that one. Um, yeah, no good performance, good win, uh, pretty a uh, rare comfortable win, and yeah, we're kind of a rare match under Juric where we've we've scored a few goals as well. So, and the away form for a long time has been, I think that Milan game away might be a bit of an outlier, just in terms of. Uh, the refereeing decisions and the uncertainty in the with the transfer window. So we'll see. Um, we're going to do a little bit of a feature this week on Il Gallo. I know we've joked about him a lot since his departure, um, but yeah, we'll try and be a bit more editorial and, and reflect on his time a little bit at Torino. We're not going to go overboard. Um, but before we do that, Rob, are you... Are you going to try and win a point on Toropedia after your Tommaso Vailati howler 
Yeah, still, still, getting, still getting nightmares on that one. Um, Yo, you, one you, you got something brutal planned for me. And I, no, again, I don't want to be too... I, like, I don't want to win by sort of... By cheating. Um, this isn't Uvopedia. Um, but I... Um, I <laughs> there's an interesting one, actually, because it probably shows. I think you gave me the tip, actually, of uh, using the Italian Wikipedia, maybe, for more accurate stats. Um, and, yeah, it just... Um, not massively different, but yeah, maybe a few more clubs at the end of this player's career uh, as you go to the Italian one. Um, so yeah, I would say it's not impossible. I probably expect you to get it, which is probably just infuriating just because you're so good at this game. Um, but yeah, we will uh, we'll give it a go. I'll, I'll be nice as well. I won't be, I won't be too harsh and give you the, the years, uh, teams and also the stats. So are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So started his career at Parma, nineteen ninety six to nineteen ninety eight. Three appearances, zero goals. Then a loan move to Napoli, nineteen ninety eight to two thousand. Forty seven appearances and two goals. Then two thousand to two thousand one, Torino, eleven appearances and one goal. Then a permanent move from Parma to Piacenza, 2001 to 2002. 15 appearances, zero goals. Uh, then another permanent move to Bari, 2002 to 2004. 63 appearances, zero goals. Then a loan back to Napoli, 2004 to 2005. 28 appearances, Zero goals. Now back to Bari, 2005 to 2007, 23 appearances, zero goals. Then alone to Pescara, 2007, 2007, 16 appearances, zero goals. Now it's a permanent move to my mate's Foggia, 2007 to 2008. 26 appearances, one goal. Now, I think this is the, probably the first time in his career that he then spends more than two seasons at a club. So 2008 to 2011, Grosseto. 99 appearances and six goals. Then back for a single season at Spezia, 2011 to 2012. And now, now we go to the the lower leagues. Which the uh, is, there, English... is, is there any stats on Spezia? Oh, sorry, sorry. Fifteen appearances, zero goals. Uh-huh. Uh, now we go back to the lower leagues. So um, some of these um, pronunciations, bear with me. Uh, so 2012 to 2014, Ischia, nineteen appearances, three goals. 2014, Arzan Arzanese. 10 appearances, zero goals. 2014 to 15, Fratese, 26 appearances, zero goals. And then 2015 to 2017, Real Forio, and there's no stats. They don't even have a Wikipedia page, even on Italian Wikipedia. So I think they might be Saturday League level. Wow. Um, 
Can you just do the Palmer bit and nap yeah, in yeah. the first two? Is that yeah, yeah. So, sorry, 96 to 98, Palmer, three yeah. appearances, zero goals. Yeah. And 98 to 2000, Napoli, uh, that's a loan, 47 appearances, two goals. So, um, I'll, well, it may help you and people at home as well. So, um, Wikipedia sort of designates that as a loan, but during the sort of early 2000s, this would have been at the height of the co-ownership period as well. So, I think there is sort of loan co-ownership in there as well. Wow. This is a tough one because I was waiting for the career to take off and it never <laughs> did. So, um. Have you heard of this player? Uh, have, you pick, have you picked someone at random? I have never heard of this player, no. Uh, but I, again, given your knowledge, I just thought it's going to be... Like, I, I looked initially in sort of like the 90, uh, late 80s, early 90s, and I was like, oh, Peter obviously wouldn't have fired them then. Then I've looked... I've tried to do them more recently, um, sort of 2010s, and again, you got Gasparoni last last time so I was like there's got to be somewhere which was technically in your era but somebody who would get float under the radar and there's so many players obviously in sort of Serie B days in the sort of mid in the sort of late 90s and, and early 2000s there's so many players to pick from um so I have picked I've picked this player out it wasn't somebody I'd been aware of uh even that I'd even heard of at a different club but there is an interesting fact um that I will provide at the end as well Okay, I have a yeah. Well, I was like I said, I was expecting to get something that would be like, oh yeah, that's that's him. You're just building up to it. But I thought he was going to come back to Torino. Um, I yeah, it's, I guess it's a little clue you not knowing because I it makes me think it's not someone super obvious. Super obvious, but, no. But the career the career path would suggest not. Anyway, I do have a name and I'm going to stick with it. Um, it's, that would have been the. Torino season, I think, where possibly Gigi Simone was sacked and Camalese came in and we got promoted and we had um, this player definitely played for Napoli and Palmer was quite a young player at the time. Um, um, but yeah, I'll I'll we'll do the we'll play a bit of the Gallo because uh, we're going to talk about him in part two and I will. I will explain. <laughs> I'll, I'll have my Tommaso Valati moment and talk, I, I do, talk about um, a player that's completely different. So. I do feel if you do get this, it might be time for me just to give up. And it, maybe maybe we change the format and you just do them all or I do them all and just see how, how far I can, how far down the, the history of Torino you, you can go <laughs> and dig answers uh, from. Well, no, um, this is one of those where I did have a name quite early, despite the fact that I was kind of thinking it'd be someone... Of, with a slightly better career, and then, um, yeah, but I may have, I, I may have kind of, I may be stuck I'll, on that name. name g- not given that, I've, yeah, I've not tried to absolutely sort of get you with somebody who, who made one appearance in 1962 and then never played again. Um, yeah. I've tried, like, it's, it's a definitely, yeah, it's definitely a difficult one, but I think I'll be, I'll be impressed if you get it. We'll see. I will, yeah, I've got, I'll, I'm going to write the name just so. Yeah. And uh, Tommaso Violati. <laughs> Tommaso Violati, that'd be good. All right, there you go. I've written it down. Um, okay. Uh, well, yeah, you're going to play one of your favourite goals from Il Gallo, and uh, we'll see you in part two. See you then. Palla ancora larga sulla destra per De Silvestri. Altro cross dentro. Belotti. Belotti. Ma che gol ha fatto il Gallo! 
Hello and welcome back to episode 54 of the Talking Toro podcast. Uh, before we do what I think a lot of people who know me quite well, uh, something that I've wanted to do for a while, a little bit of a, a deep dive on, on Andrea Bellotti. Ahead of Toro Roma last, uh, which is taking place on Sunday. Um, the answer for uh, Toropedia, I've, I've, I've dug deep to try and find um, a player who Peter might not know, but he did say before the break that he's got an answer. Peter. Uh, I'll go as far. This has probably been one of the trickier ones. I'm, I'd say, quietly confident because you, look, you looked a bit of a uh D-I-C-K when you said Tom Tomazo Vilati last last week. So uh but I think anyone who's got this right went Rob and I when when the Toropedia tour comes to Turin this season by anyone a beer who's got this one right because uh, yeah. uh it's a tough one. Now so the player who comes into mind did any doubt have is whether this player had a spell at Milan uh as a youth player but don't think he did. Um as I said, it's one of those that the names came to me early and I don't know if I've kind of not thought it through. Um, but it's about right. I think it's a left wing back, left back. Um, is it Nicola Moro? It's correct. Oh, five nil. For for a bonus point, I'll give you a, I'll give you a bonus point here. Okay. His brother-in-law played for Toro in the same season. Ooh. You know who it is? That, you should have, you should be saving this for the Christmas quiz. <laughs> um, his brother uh, brother in law's tricky one, isn't it? Because it's not necessarily yeah. blood. Uh, um, well, it's not. So he ma- he married this player's sister, uh, Moro did. Uh, I'm just going to throw a name out there: Pietro Parente, Emmanuel Emanuele Calio. Oh, Calio, yeah, Calio was. A- Another one we let go too early, but he had a decent career in Serie A. Um, yeah, Nicola Mora is probably not someone I've thought about since 2002, but it's just that era of Torino. As I said, I'm, I'm, that's kind fair. of my my strong spot is those kind of, yeah. To be fair, I mean, also had a, um, probably should have uh, seen that scene as well. Also, he got a four month ban for match fixing. Um, okay. But yeah, no, very well played. I, I, I didn't expect you to get it. I thought it was maybe going to be niche enough. Only played what eleven ga- eleven games. Um, but yeah, five 0 I don't think I don't think I can get back from from. <laughs> I don't think I can get back from five 0 We've we've had a little conversation about potentially what we might do uh, uh, to maybe mix up the old uh, format a bit. Just maybe you know, make it a little bit more up. competitive. Spend a little bit more time studying, mate. You'll, uh... <laughs> Yeah, it's, to mix up any format, it's just to, to do a bit of work, son. You just, what do you want to do? Is, we'll, we'll play Hangman next week, I, shall we? No, I just thought, I thought you could just like, <laughs> I thought maybe your players could be from post-2015 and uh, the players I picked for you can be from the 1955 season. All right. That might That's be the only way I get my my points back. Sounds, that's, yeah, it's, it sounds like you're having a bit of a... a Sort of strop you'd normally get from a Juventina, but yeah, we're not having a recount. Um, no, very, yeah, very well played. I think, yeah, I think, I think, I think that's that's a point that I owe Peter when we go to Turin. At least, at least the one you might might need to you might need to start uh, sort of making Italian of these five points, five nil. Um, <laughs> now, to be fair, it, it probably was the Napoli stats in that that helped me rather than the three. I, I remember him playing for for Napoli and 
and Palmer. So, it, it, um, I mean, like I said, it, for to be a player that I'd not even heard of, um, yeah, I, I thought that might give me a chance. But yeah, you're in your early two thousand knowledge, as we found out at the Christmas quiz, is spookily good. All right, that's enough for Nicola Morrow anyway. Uh, Rob, uh, so Torino play Roma Sunday evening in a very kind of conventional slot. Um, maybe talk a bit about the game first before we do before we do Bellotti. Um Roma hadn't started the season that well, but then they've just gone and basically got Paolo Zanetti sacked at Empoli um, by winning 7-0. Um they do have a European, they go to Moldova, I think, in the Europa League on Thursday. Yeah. So that, yeah, that usually helps teams prepare nicely for a match against Torino, to be honest. Um, <laughs> a, two but, fair, a lot of teams don't travel as far as Moldova, so maybe that's that's going to be one thing to, to potentially help Torino. But I think if I know Mourinho, it's probably going to be quite a, a, a sort of rotated squad and He'll try and sort of save his his best players for for the the league game on Sunday. Yeah, I got a bit of a quiz question for you. What links Torino with Birmingham City, uh, Olympic Lyonnais, Espanyol, Deportivo La Coruña? Uh, here's a question. I thought I thought it was me, my week for to set the questions. It's uh, not Nicola Moro. It's not <laughs> links uh, Blues. Um, Deportivo La Coruña. Who's who was the other two? Espanyol and uh, Leon. And I give you a clue. And Jose Mourinho is involved. Don't worry, the pod's not broken. Just kind of <laughs> this is just me thinking. Um, it's going to be something to do with. Are they teams? I don't know where Leon fit into it. I was going to, I was going to say the teams that um, Mourinho has played but never lost to as a coach. Um, it's partly it's partly true. It's uh, it's a bit more nuanced than that. In that Torino have the same record as Birmingham City, Olympic Leon, and on Deportivo La Coruña against Marina. So played six, lost four, draw, uh, drawn two. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, I, I think he can give me that. Yeah, they've never, they've never beaten the Mourinho side. I was thinking, I was just thinking that Mourinho's never coached in France, but obviously Champions League, Leon. Yeah, so he must have played them yeah, enough times. Must have come up against Leon a few times. And then against Roma, um, this used to be a, this always used to be a draw, Torino, against Roma. But if you look at the last seven, we've lost five at home. Including where you showed up last season, yeah, I'll take the blame for that one. We've won the other two, three-one, including the one in the Joe Hart season, and one uh, where the goal scorers included Thomas Rincon and Simone Zaza. Um, so that two, three-one wins. That was five, under under, Nic- under Nicola, I think, just as as we sort of crawled our way to safety. That's right. So yeah, not not had a draw in a while. Um, so Roma seven winning seven nil. Um, they're a bit of a kind of sixth place, seventh place Premier League team, aren't they? They're, they've got a lot of uh, lot of Premier League links, and they got a few players that tend to do well, like Dybala and Lukaku. In the past, have had pretty good games against Torino, as has Tammy Abraham, who's going to be out for quite a while. Um, 
So it's an interesting one. The Torino's win the other night makes it, I think, makes it interesting. Um, this is really hard. What hard one to call, isn't it? Yeah, I think if um, if if Toro hadn't been hadn't sort of obviously won the last two games and sort of Roma go there on the back of a seven nil victory, you you would think that it'd be only one winner. But I do I do think and I know I say it a lot, but I think the European involvement might have a little bit of an impact because. Um, it is a lot of travel. Um, for even if only a couple of players are involved, I know they've got the sun. They've got the absolute latest time that they could potentially play again, so they've got a little bit of a rest. But it's a long way to go. Sheriff Tiraspol beat Real Madrid in the Champions League. I don't think it was last season, maybe the season before that. So they've definitely sort of got a little bit of pedigree in European competitions. It might not be an easy game, so Mourinho might know that we need to play a strongish team to to beat them at home. Um. So I think yeah, I think it will be I think it'd be an interesting one. I I, I backed Roma to finish in the top four. I liked what they'd uh, done in the in the transfer market and then go on to, to start the season pretty poorly. Um and obviously yeah, they lost to lost to Hellas Verona, drew it home to Sonatana, who as we've seen, um weren't particularly impressive last night. So I think it's going to be an interesting one. I, I've got the feeling this game could be a little bit like the Milan game that we we played early on last season uh, at home, where if we make a good start, we we can go and we can beat them. I think it depends on that first sort of twenty five minutes. The game that I went to, we were down. It was a, it was a penalty, maybe a bit of a generous penalty, um, but yeah, the uh, Mourinho side, if they get an early lead, they can sort of hold on to that, and, and they didn't really have any sort of inclination of, of going to, to add to that lead so yeah I think it'll be an interesting one I think a lot of it will depend on, on how we start the game Prediction I'm going to go Yo, I'll go first because I feel okay, like yeah. the last, yeah, last yeah. few weeks I've, I've, I've you know I've sat there and watched you make, make your prediction and then uh, I'm going to go for 2-2 two, two. I mean that night of the draw for a while uh, I think we might take the lead uh, which will bring Roma out um, and yeah, it might be quite entertaining. Two two draw with a few regrets. I will go for two one Toro. Wow. Um, and then I expect uh, tactically. I mean, Juric always doesn't really seem to like keeping the same team. So I expect Vlasic for uh, Sec possibly slightly more. Uh, yeah, slightly more defensive. Um, set up there, and then whether Illich comes in, and then possibly some changes at fullback. We'll see. I don't yeah, see whether, radical changes to the or radical need to change the team. So. Whether they bring in an extra, whether yeah, Set drops out either for Vlasic or whether he drops out for Illich potentially. Illich plays a bit further forward, or just compact that midfield and play and play three in there. Um, Dybala scores against Empoli. I think might have, I think might have got more than one actually. Um, Bellotti came on and got a couple of uh, assists and somebody we'll go on to in a little bit and Lukaku got his first goal so, so selection wise I think it probably be a safe bet to to think whoever doesn't play in Moldova is probably going to be the, the, the players who play up front uh, on, on Sunday night Well it's still the segue, it's a natural one so Bellotti I th- oh, uh, when we started this pod Bellotti was still a Torino player um, most of last season we I guess jested and debated the non farewell. Um, you know, his wife 
writing an Instagram post about three months too late, but we've never heard anything really from where, the Gallo on it, his time at Torino. I mean, where does this come from that his wife wrote this post? Because it was on it was on Gallo's account. I think it was. I think it was pretty clear that uh, I think that there was some mention that his if his wife had written it, but uh, I can't remember where I picked that. Maybe maybe I've, I read that and but all right. It was, did, it you, was did you read, did you read that in Gazetta? <laughs> yeah, I probably did read it. I did read it. I trust everything I read in Gazetta. So, um, Bellotti, yeah, I, I, I think it has been a bit tarnished. The and yeah, the long, the the no goodbye, the long goodbye, and I'd be interested to see whether now. Uh, I don't expect he'll start the game, but yeah, whether there's some kind of um, some kind of message to Torino fans there because we've had nothing. So far, he's not someone who talks a lot. Um, Anyway, he doesn't tend to to even when he does talk, he doesn't tend tend to say that much. Um, but yeah, that, that I guess that's a sideshow now. Um, but the, the the departure was a bit ugly. Uh, it could have been handled a lot better. But I think this week we wanted to reflect um, a little bit on, on on Gallo's some of the Gallo's best memories uh, as a Torino player. So Rob, you you've done the heavy the heavy lifting. Well, I said heavy lifting because you you watch his show real. You know, just yeah, it's just, I, so. yeah, exactly. It was just I just start to fit it into my routine of just watching bloody goals. So, so it's, it's on fun. your, it's on, it's just on loop. Um, in the, in just the um, anyway. So. It, I think it will. It, just uh, just quickly before we get onto my list, I think it will be interesting to see what sort of reaction if he does come on. Uh, again, I don't think he'll start the game, but there was famously the banner last season, um, sort of the tongue-in-cheek sort of English humour that you quite appreciate is that like, how can how can we boo you if you don't even play? Um, I think that will be it'll be interesting to see whether they that that because obviously that was his first repl- return to um the Grande Torino. It'll be interesting to see whether they do a, a similar banner or or whether it's just we've moved on. We, and like you say, we've got Zapata now, he's probably our sort of a physical target man and potentially if you were given the choice of, of which one play would you prefer to start for, for, for Torino on on Sunday, I think a lot of people will probably say Zapata. So um, maybe maybe time has moved on, and, and it'd be interesting to see what sort of reception you get. When I was at the game last season, there was a, a lad in front of me wearing a, a Bellotti shirt. So I don't think it's it's a very decisive issue. Uh, I think a lot of depending on which Torino fan you speak to, you probably get a different opinion on uh, Bellotti. I think some people may be a little bit more annoyed the way that he left others, but probably the younger fans, which I probably cast myself into, um, would maybe got a little bit more sympathy uh, for him and still sort of hold him in, in high regard. Um, but yeah, let's, I, move to, let's move to a happier time. I, well, I predict he'll, the ultras probably got something to dish out that they've not done yet. And I think he probably has to go through that. Um, and I think the rest of the stadium will probably be fairly charitable. Um, and I think some of the ultra stuff will probably be slightly pantomime-esque anyway. I, I, think, I think the idea, yeah, the one thing that I was going to say is that the, uh, yeah, I totally agree on the, the point that he sort of left without really saying goodbye. But I think everybody sort of really knew that he wasn't going near his contract. And the reasons for that will probably potentially always remain private until he retires. But it, to to hold him in maybe the same regard as some of the players who've left and gone over to the other side or players who've left and, and sort of maybe gone on strike or sort of kicked up a fuss about leaving. I think the reality is that Bellotti gave us, what, seven years in the service, scored over 100 goals. 
Um, and for a lot of a lot of Torino fans, probably is like a reference point, especially younger fans. That he is probably the first sort of hero that they they would have had, and I think well, for that reason, will probably always be be held in in high regard. Well, no lesser podcast than this one voted him best Torino player of the twenty first century. Did so, did we do that? I think we did. I, th- I think we did. Yeah, yeah, I think we did. I think yeah. I managed to. I must have. Uh, I must have got you drunk or something to to get you to agree on that one. Um, but no, but joke, joking aside, I mean, I've been a bit harsh on Blotti over the last twelve months, and in the, I haven't had time to do a massive amount of of, of Bellotti research for for this week's pod. But I did see a show real early of the goals, and you think, yeah, there's some pretty pretty. It was a pretty impressive player for us, um, and yeah, it was definitely our, our talisman for quite a while, and, and and a good captain. But I will let you. So you're gonna you're gonna choose your top five yeah, so, goals, and then. Yeah. We can debate a little bit his his time, different phases of Bellotti at Torino. I guess I'll give you, yeah, I'll give you a little bit about each goal, and hopefully you'll be able to remember them. Um, and yeah, if there's anybody that you sort of potentially criticise, or uh, maybe if your order would, would maybe be, if a certain goal might be a little bit higher or lower or whatever. But I've gone number five. I've gone for his first goal for Torino, uh, Bologna at home. I think it's, again, maybe not the the most aesthetically pleasing goal, but it's maybe a, a typical Bellotti strike he sort of he'd signed from Palermo he'd gone a few months from scoring I think this goal was scored in November at home um yeah a little bit of a goal drought people may be thinking if he'd been a little bit of a waste of money and, and you do wonder had he not scored uh in this game it gone a little bit later into nearly to January maybe we'd have we'd have looked at trying to sort of cut our losses uh but yeah gets gets sort of through the defense and then and sort of powers his way through and uh scores uh, number four, I've gone for Genoa uh, at home, uh, 2020. Uh, so this is one of the uh, goals in the sort of COVID, the never-ending COVID season under Moreno Longo. Um, I picked this game; it's a rare uh, outside the area effort, but in, a, in what turned out to be quite a comfortable win. But I can just remember that there was still a lingering sense that we potentially were going to get dragged into a relegation battle by the time that this. Uh, game came around and this was almost a it, we needed to win this game to, to sort of guarantee staying up effectively um, and yeah just I've, it's just a it's on his weaker foot as well left footed strike outside the area I feel like maybe just a lot of frustration probably went into that into that shot and um, had again it's a bit of a shame that there's sort of COVID time so no fans there but you can imagine the celebrations would have been a little bit more uh, enthusiastic had, had fans been allowed in the stadium so third, I've gone for the first bicycle kick against Sassuolo. So that's 2017. So this is early on in the season. Um, I, I always remember this goal. Um, and just to differentiate between the two is that um, it starts with uh, Nicholas and Kulu, uh, maybe a throwback to last week, doing sort of like a Cruyff turn on the on the halfway line. Uh, he then passes it out to uh, Lorenzo Di Silvestri, who crosses in. And we'll get on to the the other bicycle kick but potentially this one's maybe a bit more textbook and um, but i've put this uh down as third for reasons i'll explain uh later uh second udinese away 2016 um just <laughs> a goal that i don't think he would be able to score now um as it's a counter-attack that he breaks and basically runs the whole length of the pitch is that uh, in, Udine or in, yeah, in, in udine yeah in udine yeah in udine uh, did I say sorry? Did I say uh, just did I just say Udinese 2016? Uh, yeah, Udinese away uh, 2016. So yeah, basically breaks from the halfway line. It's a five-one win. Um, it's just yeah, a, a, 
a goal that showed Bellotti at the sort of height of his confidence and his powers, where he sort of effectively just runs past the entire team um, and, yeah, finishes on his own. Uh, and yeah, I've gone for the first goal. Uh, number one is the is the bicycle kick against Sassuolo again um, at the Grande Torino 2019. Uh, I've gone for this one because of the importance of the game. Also, the fact that personal memory, I remember watching, I was in Dublin watching this game. So that helped uh, the rest of my trip, as I'd say. <laughs> I managed to uh, convince the person I went with to, to go and watch Torino whilst in Dublin. Um, and yeah, it was, a, I think it was a half 11 kickoff. Um, and yeah, we're 2-1 down, sort of 20 minutes. I don't think there was that long left, actually. I thought there was about 20 minutes left, but it might have been less than that. Uh, and Bellotti scores a wonderful bicycle kick, and then Zaza um, scores a, a late winner. Um, so yeah, I, was, I, was, I think either of the bicycle kicks, it'd be very difficult to pick anything else other than those as, as, the, as his best goal. I've gone for the one, which maybe not the purest technical uh, bicycle kick, but in terms of the importance in qualifying for the Europa League, without that victory, there's no way we'd have managed to. Well, Mesa would have managed to travel to Belarus, and uh, we'd have had the agony of uh, losing to to Wolves in the in the qualification round. Uh, good choices, I think. Um, said I'm I might be king of Toropedia for the time being, but you've you've got a good memory for for goals, better memory for goals and games than me. Um, I. Yeah, I can't argue too much with that. The one home to Genoa, I do remember the, it was a relief goal. It was just like, okay, we're, we're safe now. But I, it was a pretty dreadful back pass from a Genoa player, I think. Uh, it was basically an assist. <laughs> um, so that was more, yeah, definitely an occasion. There's a, f- a few things on, on Bellotti, if you kind of go back, is... Um, you mentioned the left foot, but he scored quite a lot of his. He, he he could smash it with with his left foot. I think maybe that first goal against Bologna was possibly yeah on his left foot as well. There's a famous um, one against Roma as well, just before uh, the COVID season where we when we beat Roma two uh, 0 in Rome, and he scores with his left foot as well. Yeah, so he was de- he was two footed. He could he could get power into into that left foot. He was. Um, the early Bellotti was a bit like one of those lawnmowers that you just set go. And if he had like turf to run into, that was where he was at his best. He had turf to run into, uh, defenders backed off and then he would basically be able to power a shot away. Um, or he had enough pace and power at the time to kind of muscle past the last defender. Um, and then I think also if you look at his injury record, he was barely injured the first three or four seasons and then started getting injuries. I think he got a bit heavy. Um, got a bit too muscular, and that might be, yeah, it might have been the kind of uh, diet or gym work he was on. Lost a bit of that pace, uh, lost the ability to do that, and became a bit more predictable. And I think the player he is today and was at kind of the Euros is a bit more that Bellotti rather than the kind of swashbuckling Bellotti. But I think that swashbuckling Bellotti could only play in a team a bit like Torino who could counter-attack like that or didn't necessarily always have the ball. Um, a few, Just a few goals from 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 my memory. There's one at home to Sassuolo uh, where I think he turns Paolo Cannavaro like, in absolute knots and like sends him into the Lingotto shopping centre. I know I've been using that kind of uh, <laughs> sending people to different places from, from the stadium. But yeah, that's a really underrated goal if you can see that one. And I think not so much the goals, but the performance There's a couple of home games against Milan where 
Uh, there's definitely one where he scored the two. Either I think we won two 0 or two one under Matsari. Yeah. I remember watching that. I was in Doha, and I'd, I couldn't stay awake long enough to watch the game. But the tea, the hotel I was in, there was going to be a re-recording of it in the morning. So I watched the first half, then woke up at like five a.m. and then it was a great start to the day to see Torino beat beat Milan of those Bellotti goals. Um, and then a quite a funny one away into he always seemed to have joy. So there's one where. It might have been the game when Mate scored. Uh, we drew 2-2 and he goes through on goal and he's got so much speed about him that, again, he sent that. Uh, Handanovic goes off into the Tribune almost and he has an open goal. And then I think the season after, or two seasons after, is where Handanovic comes out and drops it. And yeah. So he seemed to have a little finger over Handanovic as well. Um, I do have a little Bellotti quiz for you. I prepared. Oh. Uh, for yeah. everyone at home. So for everyone at home. There's no... Yeah, this is uh, just, just quite, a bit so was, yeah, just a bit of fun and some quite interesting stuff comes out of it. So, um, obviously, you've got who he scored his first goal against. It was against Bologna, so that one's that one's ticked off. All right, uh, how many hat tricks did he score for Torino? So he scores one. So last um, contribution for Torino was a hat trick, and then I can remember. I think potentially one against Chievo and potentially one against Pescara. So I'm going to go for three, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was four. It was four. It was Empoli. I haven't got this written down, but it was Empoli. He got a hat-trick against Crotone. I think he got one against Palermo. Yeah. Um, and then one against Bologna. Yeah. Um, which opponent did he score most goals against in a Torino shirt? Yeah. I don't know. He not played them that much, though. Sassuolo's got to be up there. Uh, Sassuolo is joint level all time, but he got one for Palermo. So this ah. team, he's got nine against Sassuolo and then nine against this t- other team as well. Um, maybe Udinese? Sampdoria. Ah, of course. Oh, and, and again, yeah, not to bring it back again to personal experience, but yeah, I scored. I saw him score twice uh, against Sampdoria as well in a 2-2 okay. draw. Which team did he play uh, most against for Torino without scoring. Oh, so oh, so never scored against this team. Never scored oh. against this team. Yep. Hmm. So I had that. I'm sorry, this isn't very great. This isn't for a podcast, is it? <laughs> Well, um, again, hopefully people are ready to guess, but it's a yo-yo, I say yo-yo team. Been up, uh, up and they came up twice uh, and down twice. So he played four games against them. Uh, uh Benevento. Four ah. Okay. Uh, the, other, the team after that, who has the worst record against is Torino, played three. Never oh. scored. So that could change on Sunday. And then the <laughs> team, the team he had the worst goal scoring record against. So this, he scored one in 14 against this team. Been, so yeah, so it would be somebody who's been in the league for uh, a while. So it would have been in, it would have been in the league for all of. Give you the... a clue though; it's a bit of an outlier. It's not like a top six team, so it's a yeah, weird, so one. Somebody... weird team to have had a pretty poor record against. Um, it would have been Genoa, Verona, one ah. fourteen against Verona. Whereas I think his record against Kiev may have been good. Yeah, I've. I've, I've, I've 
I, I, he definitely popped up on his uh, compilation of what pre-pods that he'd scored a few against Kiev. That's why I thought one of them was a hat trick. He always just seemed to have like it. There'd always be, especially in peak Belotti years, that there'd be a centre back, maybe like a, a Eduardo Golden Eagle. I remember Alessio Romagnoli couldn't could just could not deal with him. Um, would always pick up an early yellow card and then sort of have to be super careful the rest of the game. I think it'd be interesting to see actually the stats of how many players he got sent off from fouls on Bellotti during his career because I think it was quite high. Yeah, it's 113 goals and 28 assists. Um, I'm always surprised how few assists there sometimes are, but I guess assists get measured uh, in some ways are a bit bit harder to get than goals because they're Balls often take a nick off somebody, but and and to um, be fair, for a lot of the players that uh, Belotti was playing with during this during this spell, he could have, he could have put a couple of goals on the plate and they still would have missed them. No, but Belotti, I mean, I think once he got warmed up in that towards the end of that first season, which is your the goal against Udinese, I think was uh, he scored quite a few in the second half of that season. There's actually a goal at home. What the reason I question Udinese goal? He scored the identical goal at home to Udinese, possibly the following season. Um, again, a, a goal a later Belotti wouldn't have even contemplated. Um, but yeah, I'd say uh, that f- the um, certainly the Mihailovic season, he had a lot of fun because it was a uh, attacking football for a lot of the time. And then um, under Mazzari, he was, when, uh, yeah, he was a he, 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 that I guess say that was kind of peak Belotti. And I think once Mazzari left and he started getting those those injuries. Um, Slowly, slowly, because the stats are still pretty good until the final season. But um, I think if we're honest, um, Belotti hasn't been a great loss. Um, the the kind of Belotti of the final season hasn't been a great loss, to be honest. I don't think we would have done a lot better um, last season with with Belotti in the team, to be honest. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Favourite Belotti memory? Uh Probably, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've talked it on the podcast uh, before, but the dog, the dog. Yeah, it's probably it's, it's probably going to have to be the fact that I uh, neglected the ch- the the chance of meeting him because he's um, he was holding dog shit at the time. So yeah, I think that's pretty hard to contend with. But um, all right, well, yeah, we 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 managed to have a sensible, rounded discussion about Bellotti after after a year of kind of uh, a year of little slide digs so. and, um, uh, and I've, I've still got about 50 uh, Andrea Bellotti Torino pin budgies so if anybody does want any just give me a shout but I, I'm at the pay, I'm at the stage now where people just have them just, just send me some money for, to post them out to you well maybe, maybe bring them out to Torino and leave them in the bar somewhere <laughs> they'll, get, they'll get shared but yeah so um, Torino play Roma Sunday um and then we go to Rome to play Lazio on Wednesday. We're not sure if we're going to do next week's pod um, pre or post Lazio. Um, and then the following weekend, remind me, we've got Verona on the Monday. Yeah, on the Monday. Okay. So, yeah, there'll be a pod There'll be a pod dropping next week, um, either side of Lazio game, to be determined. I guess it may depend on how well we do on Sunday and if Rob is in a cheery enough mood on Monday to, uh, to talk about Toro. Yeah, before we go, maybe we need to do a Chiro Immobile special for to balance it out ahead of a uh, ahead of his inevi- in, inevitable uh, dive against us next week. So I feel like but... I feel like these are two people who, are, yeah, like I say, about the way the Bellotti uh, is remembered. I think Chiro's probably got a similar sort of story, but 
maybe I don't think there's as many people who would sort of uh, back him up in in this sort of discussion. Yeah, well, onwards and upwards, Rob. Um, Forza Toro, Nicola Moro, 5-0. See you next week. Forza Toro.